Uh, if you have Bibles with you, which you should because you're believers and everything, right? <laughs> Turn to Hebrews. Hebrews. And we'll start in chapter 11. Chapter 11. When I, when I first came back to God, it was actually one night, I'll never forget this night, where the Lord just, he, he rocked me. And, uh, and he, I, I called out to him, he answered. But one of the things that he said to me that night was in response to a question that I asked him. Because he had, he had told me that he had a purpose for my life. That he had, he had this divine purpose. And, uh, and then we ended up talking about some other things. And I said, oh, hey, God, you said you had a purpose for my life. What is it? What is it? And, uh, and it was like we had a, I had a full-on conversation with the Lord and, and hadn't really had one before that. And it lasted pretty much all night. And uh, I, I remember saying, God, while well, I got you on the phone, I got some things I want to talk about. Because he had, he, had he had answered a prayer, right? And so I was like, well, here we go. I'm just going to lay it all out there. And so I asked this question. And at the time that he answered this question, I thought he was kind of just leading me on. Like he was basically saying, I'll, I'll tell you down the road, right? But when he answered this question, uh, he, he answered it very directly. He didn't. He didn't say, he wasn't answering some other question. He wasn't giving me some other direction. Um, he said to me, based on what my question of what my purpose is, he said, spend time with me. And at the time, I thought, if I spend time with him, he'll tell me. He'll show me, right? He'll, he'll reveal it to me. But it was actually the direct answer to the question of what my purpose was. Because if you think about the whole reason why Adam was created in the beginning was to spend time in fellowship with the Lord. Of course, there's other things and there's other reasons, there's other purposes, but those are all actually not the top priority. This one is. This, this is the top priority, that I would spend time with the Lord. And, uh, and are, we, are we known as a busy people in, in America? Very, right? You can't, I don't think I've ever talked to someone and be like, hey, are you, you, you busy these days? Oh, no, I don't do anything. I just sit around and wait for something to happen. and You hardly ever find so. There is so much that consumes our life that is tugging for our attention and, and vying for your, uh, your, your, your eyes and your ears. And the, we have more entertaining things today than we ever have. And we have all these things from our society that's, that's to distract us, Right? And so we have this purpose that God has given us, that the, the Lord specifically answered that question. He said, I want you to spend time with me. And I said, okay, I will. I, I, and I said that thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend time with, me, with you, and then you'll reveal it to me. You'll tell me my purpose. But really, he was saying that as a direct response to that question. He was saying it and saying, your purpose in your life is to spend time with me. And that purpose is no different than your purpose. My purpose is not different than anyone else's. Oh, well, you're a pastor. You're supposed to spend time with the Lord. It has nothing to do with a ministry call or a ministry gift. It has everything to do with your life's call. Your life's call is to spend time with your Father and to fellowship with the Lord. Amen. 
Amen. So we're going to look in verse 6 here in Hebrews 11. It says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So first off, um, you must believe that if you want to come to God, you must believe that he is. I've, I've heard of no prayers that, were, that ever got answered that said, God, if you were real, do this. God, if you're really there, do this. Uh, I'm not saying that it can't happen. I've never, heard of a, I've never heard of those prayers being answered. And it really does violate this scripture that says, you must believe he is. It requires faith to believe in God. He is someone that you cannot see. He is someone in the unseen realm. And you first, when you come to God to spend time with him, he says you must believe that he is, right? This is, these are just some precepts when we are spending time, when we are going to seek the Lord of what, what he has said and what we need to be believing. We have to have faith, right? It pleases God. Without it, you can't please him. Now, now here's the second part, and we'll be talking more about this second part tonight. Um, it says, and you must also, must also, must is the word here. You must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. A rewarder. See, it matters what you think about God and, you th- and what you think about the character of God. It matters whether you think that he is going to smash you over the head when you come in to, to seek him or not. He, it matters your perspective of God when you come to seek him. You know, there's people that go to seek God and they don't believe that of him. And so, you know, they don't end up finding him. To come to him, you must believe he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Meaning, he's good. He's got things in store for you. And so there's this design that you have and the design that I have on the inside that is to seek God. We all have this desire uh, innate in our, in our spirits that we would seek God. That's why you have crazy amounts of religion all over the earth. Even, even those who are atheistic, if you put them in a life or death situation, guess who they're crying out to? They're crying out to God. You know the, the old saying, right? There's no atheists in a foxhole, right? So that we all, the, the scripture says, I believe Romans 1, that we all know on the inside there is a God. We all know. And we, whether you are saying, I don't, know, I don't really know if I know that or not, you do. It says all creation shows it. All creation is showing there is a God. And, the, and the, you also must believe when you seek him that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, um, this is interesting to me because he's not just asking you to seek him, but he's saying he's given you some motivation. There's some serious motivation that the Lord is giving you to seek him, right? If you seek me, I have rewards. We've all heard of rewards in heaven, like there's going to be rewards in heaven, right? That we know that the judgment seat of Christ 
is when we, when we die, when we go sit before the, the, the throne of God and he's casting out judgment, when it's, when it's to believers, there's going to be rewards for what you have done, the works that you've done. And anything that is, that is not of, of him or that is not a lasting work will be burned up and it'll perish. And anything that was done by him or directed by him, done with the right motive, it will remain, it will be refined, and you will be rewarded. And those rewards will be great. And those rewards will be something your mind probably can't fathom. It's, it's kind of like telling uh, a three-year-old the rewards of marriage. <laughs> You might not get it, right? You probably wouldn't want to tell a three-year-old that. <laughs> you probably want to, they, they probably wouldn't even see it as that cool, but once they're there, they, they'll understand, right? And so likewise, the rewards that we'll, that we'll, we'll see in heaven are amazing. They're, they're going to be uh, beyond your comprehension as far as how good they are. Uh, however, I'm not. Ju- I'm not going to. I don't believe that it's really saying that those are the rewards he's talking about in this verse. I believe that there are rewards this side of heaven that come as a result of seeking Him, and that He's saying this right now. If you'll seek Me, that if you'll be diligent, I have so much to give you. I have rewards in store for you, and these rewards, like He's not. He's not worried that you're going to seek him for the wrong reason by him saying this, right? He's not worried that, oh, you're, you're just seeking God for the rewards. He's saying, come to me, seek me diligently, and I will reward you. He's not afraid that you're going to do it for a wrong motive. He's, he knows that his rewards are, are worth uh, you seeking him with everything that you have. And so he wants to give you some motivation. Now, if you sought God uh, and you didn't get any of the rewards or he didn't have those rewards, would it still be a worthy, worthy cause? Would it still be worth your time? Absolutely, right? God, like, first and foremost, he is amazing. And if you find him, you found the best. He, the Bible says that he is our treasure. He is our reward, right? But not only is he our treasure and he he is our reward, but he also has rewards. And he's talked about these things and he's said these things to get us to say, I'm going after you even more than I would have if, if, if you didn't have them. I'm going after you. And he says, if you do that, I have rewards for you. I have things in store for you. Amen. Now, uh, turn with me to Matthew 6. And here's Jesus talking. He's, in this passage, uh, he's going he's gonna to teach on prayer. He's teaching on prayer here. And obviously we know prayer is you're communing with God, right? You're talking with him. He's talking with you. Uh, it it's it's, has to do with seeking him. You could lump that into the category of you're seeking God if you're praying, uh, or at least if you're praying correctly. Uh, verse 5, we'll start in verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray. Interesting that hypocrites love to pray. Say, so, well, wait, what a sec. They love to pray? Yeah, they do. Uh, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. 
Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Again, we see prayer and seeking God, and then also along with that, rewards. There is a reward for seeking the Lord. And, and my, my heart's desire is that you hear this and that you take this and you say, you know, I'm running after God. I'm seeking him more than I ever have before. And I know that when I do, that he's got so many things stored up for me. You know, um, so many times we think um, seeking the Lord comes at a sacrifice of so many good things. That if you seek the Lord, you have to give up all these pleasures. You have to give up all your, you know, your favorite things. Um, actually, you may have to, but he's going to replace them with something far greater. He, he's going to actually, if you turn to, to Mark 10, real quick, it's a right turn. Wasn't planning on going here, but it makes sense to do it now. Mark 10, and I think we're going to start in verse 28. If you, if you know this passage, uh, basically right before this, the rich young ruler um, came up to Jesus, said, you know, what do I have to do for salvation? Jesus says, uh, sell all your stuff, give all the money to the poor, come and follow me. The, 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 the rich young ruler, you know, he was distraught at this saying because he had many things and he couldn't do it and so he went back to his stuff and then he, you see the disciples response in 20 verse 28 says then peter began to say to him see we have left all and followed you meaning we're seeking you we're doing and we said we're abandoning everything and we're going after you notice jesus's response jesus answered and said assuredly i say to you there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. So again, you see pursuing the Lord, giving things up for God. Well, what's the end result of that? You're rewarded. Not just in heaven, not just, you know, someday you're going to see these rewards. He said, in this time, you will receive a hundredfold. Now, you might be confused on the, the mothers and the brothers and how you're going to get a hundred mothers and a hundred brothers back. Uh, but really, if you remember Jesus, when he talked about um, when the Basically, the disciples came to him and said, Jesus, your, mo your mom, your mother, and your brother are over there. And Jesus, what did he say to that? He said, he said, who are my mother and who are my brothers? Those who do the will of my father. So I believe that he's talking about, you know, th that, that's who you're going to gain. You're going to gain a family and, and it's going to be added to you. And sometimes following the Lord means leaving your family. Not now... If you're a husband, or it doesn't mean you're leaving your spouse. It doesn't mean that you're, you know, leaving your kids out, out to, to dry. I mean, like, 
Maybe, maybe your parents are a different religion, or maybe your family has always been this type of belief, and you're going to have to break away, because Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring a sword, right? I came to, to cause division in households even, where I would be the one that would say, you're going to either dis- d- choose, choose me or choose them, you can't choose both if they're not going to follow me as well. And so that's what I believe the Lord's talking about when he says, you're going to receive a hundredfold. But notice when, in this life, in this time, you will receive a hundredfold. Following the Lord pays big dividends. Seeking God pays off, not just in the by and by. It pays off here. When we seek God, he rewards us. This, is, this was his plan all along. That we, would, that we would be in just close proximity to him. And he has so much that he wants to reveal. He has so much that he wants to give. And it comes from those who get in the secret place, who get quiet with God, and, and, and who know, God, when I get close to you, my life's getting better. I'm getting some things that I didn't have before. I'm, I'm experiencing some rewards that I didn't have before. I can, I can say this, if, if someone goes all out for God, they, you never get to the end of that life and say, oh, I wish I would have done something different. Oh, I wish I would have, you know, Amen. invested in here instead or spent more time doing something else. No, you get to the end of that life and you're like, I lived a life that had purpose. Amen. I lived a life that was fulfilling and was satisfying. And I lived a life that pleased the one who I will be with for eternity. And so that's what he's called us to do. Amen. I'm going to show, I'm going to go, go, keep going further here. Uh, Psalm, go to the book of Psalms, and ver, chapter, let's go, I don't have, my, I don't have any notes, um, 16. Psalm 16. Verse 11, you may have heard this before, or at least part of it. Psalm 16, 11 says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Note, again, we see it over and over, that the Lord has pleasures in his right hand. He, he's... You know, pleasures, we, we sometimes see that word and think of it as a negative. We see that as something that, that uh, you could say, you know, there are such things as sinful pleasures. How many know that when the devil does something, it's always just a perversion or a, a copycat of what God has done? So the pleasures of sin are just a complete copycat and a perversion of the pleasures that God had at, has at his right hand. The pleasures of doing the enemy's will are just a perversion and are just a counterfeit to the pleasures that God has at his hands for those who would seek him, those who would do his will. Because those are, those are going to be lasting pleasures. Because it says, the last word of that one was, forevermore. How many know that the pleasures of sin and the pleasures of the enemy, they, they are, are quickly fleeting. They don't last. It's 
sweet one second, bitter the next, and remains bitter and produces more bitterness as it goes. But the, the amazing pleasures of God that he has at his right hand, they're lasting. They're not going anywhere. And these pleasures, they're, they're more real than the sinful pleasures. They're, it's not like, oh, yeah, I feel good. No, this is, this is beyond your imagination, beyond your wildest expectations. Uh, let me show you. First, I know we're going all over the place, but 1 Corinthians... 1 Corinthians 2, and we'll start in verse 9. This is Paul talking here. It says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And it goes on to say that we, we've been that this has been revealed to us through His Spirit, so that we could have these things now. This is not talking about heaven. This verse is talking about right here, right now, the reality that's in the Spirit. God has prepared some things for you, and it is beyond your wildest imagination. It is deeper. It is more meaningful. It's more pleasurable than you can imagine. And when? Right here, right now. But it comes through seeking Him. All of these things are a result of pursuing God. And we, if, we, if we don't do that, we miss out on the things that He prepared for us. See, Adam, I believe that Adam, uh, that God intended his life to be ridiculous and that the things that Adam saw um, were just a fraction of what God really wanted to show him. You know that, that Adam met with the Lord uh, in the cool of the day, every, every single day. And um, I believe that the Lord was showing him more and more and more. Every single day, he would begin to show him more. He'd begin to give him more um, experiences, get, show him more of how things worked, um, more, he just had things in store for Adam that literally lasted an eternity. Everything with God um, is infinite. There isn't any running out of God. Everything that he has for us, if you think, man, I've, I've got some good rewards. I've sought the Lord diligently. I'm experiencing some good stuff. Well, you've, I can tell you, you've just scratched the surface. Because the seeking that comes tomorrow has its own rewards. And the seeking that comes the next day has its own rewards. And if you know anything about the Lord, uh, remember when he turned water into wine, he saves the best for last. So that means they're getting better. That means these rewards, these things that you experience when you seek him, it's going to grow. They're going to grow in, in, in pleasure. They're going to grow in delight. And these things the Lord has in store for us, and he, he wants us to see them. It's his plan. It's his design. It's his idea that we would seek him and find these things and, and step into more and more of what he has for us. It's his plan. All right, one, one more. Jumping back to, to, to Psalm here. Start in 37. 
37, 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord. Again, that, that word delight is pleasure. Like allow yourself to be uh, in a place of delight when you're seeking him. Allow yourself to be in a place of pleasure when you're in him. If, if seeking him is a struggle, if seeking him is a work, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> it's not meant to be that way. It's meant to be as natural as your relationship with your spouse or your relationship with your best friend. It is supposed to be that simple and that basic. It's not complicated. God has designed us that, that we would be... Um, Seeking him in a way that is so natural, that is so um, simple, that it's not something that you have to try to, um, you don't have to be a theologian to figure out how to find God. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to find God. You can, I believe he set this up that people who have mental disorders can find him, that little tiny children can find him. In fact, I've seen it more and more, uh, that little kids, are, it's actually easier for them because they don't complicate it, that they find God and they, they go to seek the Lord and boom, there he is. And so we're, we're designed, but what we like to do is make things complicated and make things all, oh, I have to come at this a certain way. And, and then we also... Uh, are afra- we, we get afraid to because of this thing called a sin consciousness, this thing that holds us back from really seeking in and pressing in because we feel like there's something wrong with us or we feel like we're not worthy of the presence of God. You, how many have heard the scripture that says, we can now enter boldly into the throne room of God? That's the way we approach him. And when you see when you see a six or seven year old kid and you say, Hey, we're gonna seek the Lord and they decide to do that, they're not going in there with their head hung low. They're not seeking the Lord with their with their head down. They're doing it boldly. Why? They don't have an awareness of sin. And that's exactly what how we're designed to enter in and to seek God, is to not have a consciousness of sin. To not have that. In fact, the scripture says um, that you must become like one of these to enter into the kingdom of heaven. What, what, how, how are you becoming like a little kid? Well, I'm going to make it very basic and say, okay, I guess I can because God said so. And so, you, you know, childlike faith. Instantly, they just, step, they just step in and they go. And so we become, if we have that childlike faith, and then you have a, a, uh, a sin consciousness that is as a child. Do you guys remember um, when the woman was caught in the act of adultery and, and they all took up stones to, to uh, kill the woman? And what did Jesus say? He who is without sin cast the first stone. And then there was, there's something that's very interesting, and nothing's in, in the Bible that's there by accident. But something very interesting happens after that. It says, they went away one by one from the oldest to the youngest. Who was the first to realize that they were with sin? The oldest. Who were the last to realize it? The youngest. And that is exactly the way it is today. That there is, there is those that, uh, if, if, you, if you talk to a kid about sin... They're like, I don't understand what that is. And then you have to really explain it and say, well, you know, you've done these things wrong. And like, well, 
yeah, I've done those things wrong, but what about it? You know, there's, they, they just, they don't quite grasp, grasp the seriousness of it. They don't, you don't see a kid, unless something has been hammered into them that's wrong, you don't see a kid walking around in condemnation very often. You don't see a kid beating themselves up over stuff they have done. Better be the Lord right there. <laughs> Better answer that if it is. <laughs> so that's how we approach God is like a child with, with, a, with an awareness of not of sin but of righteousness because that's who we are washed by the blood of Jesus. When we, when we realize that what Jesus did was enough to completely wash us clean. So many Christians believe that the power of sin is more powerful than the blood of Jesus. That they can't enter into the kingdom. They, they can't enter into the throne room because of sin when they've already been washed clean of it. And it's so clean, it's literally as if you've never done those things. He said, I cast your sea as far as, or I cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. I cast your sin into the sea of forgetfulness. So he for, he's forgot it. He's completely doesn't, doesn't, uh, isn't thinking of it anymore. And when he looks at you, he looks at someone who is right with him. If you've received the Lord, if you've said yes to, to the Lord and you've received salvation, you're pure. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing missing. There's nothing broken. Therefore, we can go like this. Okay, uh, I have an invite into the throne room, and it doesn't matter what I've experienced. It doesn't matter what I've done. I actually have a mandate from heaven to be here. And, and my Father is waiting for me to hand out rewards. He's waiting for me to seek him to hand some rewards out, not to beat me over the head with a club, not to, not to reward my sin, because <laughs> the reward of my sin was placed on his son, Jesus. And I don't have to suffer that anymore. And I don't have to deal with the condemnation and the guilt that that sin, uh, that those things um, would normally produce because I was washed clean. I was completely forgiven once and for all. And I can seek him. I have a right to. I have a mandate to. And I have an invitation to go into his presence. And in his presence is the fullness of joy. That means when I get in there, it's not going to be boring. It's not going to be something that I dread. It's not going to be something that's like, here we go. I've got to go seek the Lord. Let's go seek the Lord. Well, what do you have to seek the Lord about? This is, you know. Well, why do you have to seek the Lord about something? <laughs> I'm not saying that, there isn't a, there, that there's definite times where you should go seek the Lord regarding a decision or regarding a situation. But how many people just seek the Lord for seeking the Lord? Seek, get in there and find Him to find Him. Get in there to find Him to say, God, what do you have in store for me today? What do you want, what do you want me to do? What do you have for me? And see, when we approach God that way, it puts a smile on his face. You know, it's like if you had a kid, and every time your kid came up to you, and they would say, I'm sorry, Dad, I know, I know or I'm sorry, Mom, uh, I know I've, I've been, you know, haven't done everything you wanted me to do, and I'm going to tell you these things that I've done wrong. And, and if, you appro- if your kid approached you that way every single time, 
would you might be annoyed by that? Would that, would that maybe just, you know, be like, what kind of dad do you think I am? Think I'm going to just beat you every time I see you? Like, I'm the kind of dad that says, I don't care what you've done. It's been forgiven, and I want to embrace you. And see, those things that, he's, that you've done wrong, uh, he cleans you up. That's one of the things that, that's a benefit about being in the presence of God, is he actually cleans you up. He washes, he changes desires. He'll change, uh, you know, the, the, the scripture says, that we just read that says, um, if you delight yourself in the Lord, uh, he'll give you, uh, the de- if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart, right? Well, what if you have some bad desires? Anybody ever have any bad desires before? Well, when you're delighting yourself in the Lord, your desires actually change. Your desires end up lining up with His. And then He gives them to you. And that's the way He's designed it to happen. And so these, these things that He wants to reveal to you and to, to give you, I, I believe I was talking with the Lord earlier before tonight, and he was just saying how great his rewards are. That he wants us to understand how great these rewards are. That these rewards are not just something to, yeah, you know, it's, it's like one of those, those things you, you get for free if you buy something, right? You go, you go buy a, a car or something, you get a little trinket. Like, here's your reward. Now, these are great rewards. These are rewards that are shocking. They're, they're astonishing. They're mind-blowing. And he wants us to say, I'm going to seek you. And when I do, when I seek you, you're going to reward me. And it's going to be better than I could have imagined. And I'm going to experience things that I haven't experienced before. I'm going to have joy that I haven't experienced before. And, I'm, and, and see, this is, this is how you can be Paul in prison, locked up and singing praises to God. And be still seeking the Lord. And this is how you can be Jesus on the cross, praying for those who are putting him there and asking the Lord to forgive them for for doing what they're doing because they don't know what they're doing. That's how you can do it. Why? Because I've sought the Lord and I know that he has rewarded me and he's given me some things and he's given me the fruit of the Spirit and joy and peace and love. And out of that, I can do anything. Amen? Amen. Uh, let, let's, let's get back into worship, and I don't know if, that, if you guys have anything else that you have in mind, but I think we're going to do this time where, where we just say, we're going to seek the Lord. I want this to be a, not a time where, where we're thinking about everything else, but we, we, that you, you know if you seek the Lord. You know that um, this is something that I say to the kids often, because um, if you didn't know, I'm a, a kids pastor. And I say this to them often. I say, uh, no one can worship for you. No one can seek the Lord for you. And no one really knows if you're seeking the Lord besides you and God. And no one really knows if you're worshiping except for you and God. And so no one can do this for you. You're not trying to put on a display. You're not trying to... Get, convince me or any the person next to you that you're seeking God.
but you're just saying, God, I'm coming to you, and I'm seeking you. And I'm maybe I've maybe I haven't been doing this because I got distracted. Maybe I haven't been seeking you like I should because I didn't know how good it was supposed to be. I didn't know that you had rewards in store for me. I didn't know all these things that were motivations for seeking you that you that you had already revealed in your word. But I'm coming in to seek you, knowing that you're going to reward me, knowing that you're going to show up, knowing that you're going to answer. The Bible also says, if you seek, you will find. If you knock, it will be opened. There's no one who sought the Lord, sought the, really sought the Lord, coming to him, believing he is, and believing he is a rewarder of those that seek him, who's missed him. There isn't one. God, God would be a liar if that were the case. And he is not a man that he should lie. Amen. Now let's all stand up.